Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, and we're going to start there. We talk about the importance of the church today. It says it's Life Group Sunday. Hopefully by the end of this message, every person from the front to the back will want to be a part of life groups and see how important they are for your life, for my life. Because we all need each other. Come on, can I get an amen? We all need each other. We can't do this Christian life by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. We need each other. Uh, so Hebrews 10, we're going to start in verse 22. Hebrews 10 and verse 22. I'm going to read from the New Living today. Hebrews 10, 22, it says, Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Verse 23, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. And notice verse 24. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And verse 25 it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Notice that. And do not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. The day of his return is drawing near. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Better Together. Better Together. Better Together. And I love the local church. Uh, There's no other place I'd rather be than the local church. The local church is the hope of the world. It's the most important thing we can be a part of is his church. And we're going to talk today about Better Together. Better Together. Now, um... We're going to talk about the importance of the church today and why you need the church and why we need each other because we do. And it's not just a religious thing, it's a God thing. It's not just something that somebody made so people could come to church and give their money and just have an organization and a religious system. No, God designed this before we ever got here, before any preacher made up a church sign or anything else. And he made up the importance of community and the church. And it's God's idea and not our idea. The church is his idea. So let me talk about a few things here to begin with. So you don't have to turn there, but Matthew 16. Jesus said, I will build my church. Everybody say, my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said, I will build my church. So it's important to Jesus. Jesus said he loved the church and he gave himself up for the church. He loves the church and he gave himself for the church. And Jesus says he's going to build his church. Now this word church is the word ekklesia. Ekklesia in the Greek. Ekklesia is the word. And the word in the Greek definition means a assembly of called out ones. Or we could say a community of called out ones. But notice it's not in the individual sense It's in the community. Now I'm going somewhere. When it talks about the church, it never refers to just you as the church. Now you are the church by yourself everywhere you go, but in the context of the Bible, it never talks about the church as being one person by themselves at Starbucks doing a Bible study because they're their own pastor. There's no such thing. If you're really a part of the church, it implies that you're with an assembly 
or a community of other believers or called out ones, like it says in the Greek translation of ecclesia. So it's a community, an assembly of believers or the called out ones or the anointed ones. That's the definition from the original language of what the church is. So just ask yourself by that definition, am I a part of the church? Now you're here today, so that's a start. But am I a part of the church? Because if I'm really a part of what he's building, I will be a part of the community of believers. I will be a part of this assembly of called out ones, not just by myself. Here's a fun fact. All the New Testament letters are written to local churches. All the New Testament letters that you have in your Bible are written to local churches. Implying, duh, that you as a believer would be a part of a local church. That's not debatable in the New Testament Bible. Every book written to a church leader like Timothy, like Titus, James, Peter, were all church leaders in a local church. So not only do we have letters that are written to an assembly of local churches, the other letters written to individuals were leaders of local churches. Notice all these people were involved in local church. There is no such thing as a leader in the New Testament that was not a part of a community of believers. No such thing. It doesn't exist. So this idea that you can do life by yourself and you don't have to be a part of a church is completely wrong. Because you need it. We all need it. And that is God's design. That's why we see all the letters written were to local churches. All the letters written to leaders were leaders of the local church. So that should reaffirm the importance of community. We all need it. And nobody gets too big or too spiritual to not need community. Nobody does. And the day that it happens, the day you are falling from the place that you are in. Because that's a prideful statement to say that you don't need other people in your life. No matter how spiritual or, or you've been growing for such a long time, there's no such thing as a believer who doesn't need church, doesn't need a community of believers, doesn't need spiritual authority speaking into their life. No such thing. Now, that's not my opinion. That's the Bible's opinion. Now, that's what we're talking about here. This is not my opinion. That's what the Bible says. We all need it. And the church, notice, it's the assembly of the called out ones, the community of God. None of that has to do with being individuals. Now, I want to talk about this today because it's so important. We need to talk about better together. Why do we need each other? Because we do. And we realize we live in the United States of America, which is one of the most individualistic countries on the planet. We are connected, but we're not connected. Y'all know what I'm saying, social media. We know each other, but we don't know anybody. We are very individualistic. That's why we don't know our neighbors anymore. That's why we don't know people that are in the same classroom with us anymore. That's why we don't know our coworkers anymore. Because we all want to do it alone. And that's not a good thing. But notice that idea and mindset creeps into the church. Now that mindset's wrong just in general, but especially when it gets into the church. Because that is completely opposite of what God has called us to do and be. Now, the early church understood this and knew this, and we're going to read about them in a little bit. But we realized back then, even 2,000 years ago, even 100 years ago, the world didn't operate like individuals. It was all about the community. 
It was all about the group. It was all about the tribe. It was all about the people together. There wasn't this individualistic mindset that we have in modern day. And just because it's modern and new doesn't mean it's good. Or right. So I'm just saying, let's judge all of our hearts today and realize maybe some of this mindset from the world, not from God, has creeped into my thinking about the importance of the church in my own life. That I don't need it. That's okay. It's not that big a deal. I can do it by myself. I got podcasts. I can listen to it later. You know, I got my own study Bible. I don't need him to tell me what, what's, what's new, what God's telling him. I got this. I don't need other people to speak into my life because I can pastor myself. Now, you're laughing, but some of you think those things. And notice, that's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of the world getting into your thinking. Because we're so individualistic. And you know this. A lot of you don't know your neighbors. You don't know your coworkers. You don't know anybody around you anymore. Why? Because everybody wants their space and their time and timeouts. And I need my quiet time and I need my me time. Everybody thinks that way, but that's not a God mindset. That's the spirit of the world creeping into our thinking and isolating ourselves from the people we need. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today. Now, we're just getting going here. This is going to get good. So we need community. We need the church. We need other like-minded believers in our lives helping us to fulfill the mission of God. We need each other. Now, in the book of Genesis, you could just um, write this down in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. When God was creating everything, he said, let us make man in our image. Let us, now who's us? Let us make man in our image. Now we know because we have years of study and we understand the Bible better today, we realize let us is referring to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So we realize even though God is one, he is three. But God himself let us make man in our image, in our likeness, is in context of a community. He said, let us. So even God himself is in the community, Father, Son, and Spirit. They are all one, but yet they are different at the same time. Three in one. And God himself said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, implying that if I'm a community, then mankind will need a community too. If the Father, Son, and Spirit are in community, divine community together at all times... Far beyond what we can even imagine or think because we're only humans. Our brains can't even wrap around the idea of, tr- idea of Trinity or let us. But he said, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, the same way that God is. If God has this community, then we have to have this community in our lives. We are made for community. We are made for each other. And notice the next chapter, he confirms that. By saying, after he made Adam, and he had all the trees, all the plants, all the animals, it was beautiful. He lived in the Garden of Eden. It was perfection. He said, after all that, it's not good that man should be alone. After all that. Why? Because he's created just like God. And God is in a community, so man needs community. And he was in a perfect environment, which... I don't know if you noticed, we're not. And if 
Adam in a perfect environment needed somebody else other than God in his life, how much more us that we're not in a perfect environment need other people to do life with and to be in community with and to fulfill what God has called us to do. We need it. And he said, it is not good that you're alone. Now, most people would say, well, he had God. And most people that don't want a church family say the same thing. I got God. I don't need the church. I have my own personal relationship. Good, you should. (laughs) But that doesn't negate the need for your community. That doesn't mean that you don't need anybody else just because you have God. Because God himself is the one who said, it's not good that you're alone. You need some other human beings around you to do life with. You need somebody who's just like you to throw things off of. You need somebody else in your life that's going to pray for you and encourage you and to build you up and to help you out. And you need somebody else other than me, so it's not good that you're alone. Are you picking up what I'm laying down this morning? (laughs) So we need other people, and notice God himself is the one who said it. It wasn't Adam who brought it up. Adam was fine right then. God said it's not good that you're alone. And the reality is it's not good that any of us in here are alone. We need each other. We need community. Proverbs 18.1, you can write this down. It says, a man who isolates himself is not wise and seeks his own desires. A man or a woman who isolates themselves is not wise and seeks his own desires. The plan for the enemy is to isolate you and get you alone because that's when he can get you. That's why he encourages people, no, you don't need to be there at church. No, you got this. It's not that important anymore. Chill out. You're kind of a fanatic. Why are you missing? You're missing soccer games now. You're missing school plays now. You can't be at the company picnic now because you're in church. Who are you? You don't need that anymore. What is he doing? He's trying to isolate you. And it says that you are not wise when you isolate yourself from the church community. And you seek your own desire. Because we all know in here, when we want to do what we want, what do we do? We go alone. We don't go with other people. Because we wouldn't do those things if other people are around. So that's why you start seeing, oh yeah, I might be there at church, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'll try to make it. And then they're not returning your calls anymore. Then they're not texting back. It's not because it's you. It's because they want to isolate themselves to do what they want to do. It's because you want to be alone because you realize nobody can call you out when you're alone by yourself. All right. It's the truth whether you like it or not this morning. But it says those who isolate themselves are not wise. And they rage against all wise judgment. And they seek their own desire when you isolate yourself. That's why God said it's not good that you're alone. We need each other. We need community. We need the local church. That's the way God set it up. God is a community. We are meant for community. We need each other. Notice, and even when we don't feel like we need it, that's when we need it the most. Even when we feel like, I don't want anybody talking to me. That's when you need somebody to talk to you the most. 
Even when you're depressed and you say, everybody leave me alone, that's when you need people the most. Even when you want to go your own way and you say, I don't want church people to talk to me right now, that's when you need it the most. And it's pride for you to think that you can do it by yourself. Oh, you thought I was a pastor today. The spirit of the prophet came upon me. It's true. The Bible says speak the truth in love, and that's what I'm doing today. I love you, but I'm speaking the truth. That's the truth of the matter, is we need each other. And those of us in here that have pridefully said, I don't need the church, and I don't need life groups, and I don't need other people speaking into my life, you need it the most. And it's pride that you won't admit that. All right, so you want to sign up for life groups? That's the truth. Whether we like that, whether our feelings agree with what I just said, that's still the truth of God's word. So when we isolate ourselves and we get ourselves alone, that's when the enemy takes advantage of you. Every crazy thought you've ever had is when? When you're by yourself. Every conversation you shouldn't have had was when you were by yourself. Everything you've ever looked at that you shouldn't have looked at was by yourself. Because the enemy tries to isolate you and get you alone so that he can take advantage of you. And he can take you out. Now I'm going to talk about one of my favorite things and one of my favorite channels, the Discovery Channel. And how many know the animal kingdom is sometimes smarter than church people? The animal kingdom is smarter than believers. Because they realize there's safety in numbers. Come on now, somebody. And you realize if you've ever watched Shark Week for one second, you realize if there's a bunch of seals together, the shark doesn't go after them. But if there's the one independent pastor myself at Coffee Crossing Christian that goes and says, no, I can do it. I can go by myself. I can do this. I don't need the local church. I don't need anybody talking to my life. And this dumb little seal wants to go off by itself apart from the other seals. Guess what? The great white shark does not attract attack the group he goes after the one by himself because when he can get you by yourself and alone that's when he gets you that's when he gets you and notice and then the seal gets destroyed on discovery channel and then the PETA people call discovery channel and try to sue them it's like no this is just animal kingdom this is the way animals are is that the truth the animal kingdom is sometimes smarter than christians They know there's safety in numbers. If I stick with the group, with the tribe, with the community, I'm safe. But when I get off by myself, I now isolate myself and get alone. That's when he takes advantage of you. Here's another example. We know this, that in the Bible, in 1 Peter 5, it says, The enemy roams around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour, the enemy. Goes around like a roaming lion, seeing who he can devour, meaning that he can't just devour anybody. But he's on the prowl like a lion, seeing who he can go after. Now, once again, in in lions, the lions don't attack the group. They don't attack the group. They see the antelope over there, If there's a couple hundred of them, they don't attack all of them together. What do they do? If they start going towards that group, there's the one that goes off by itself. 
And the whole pack of lions goes after the one. Because he realizes when I isolate him, when I get him alone, then I can devour him. Come on, are you picking up what I'm laying down today? I'm trying to share my heart this morning about it. And so we know that the animal kingdom knows better than us. There is safety and there is strength in numbers. Nothing like the local church. There is safety and strength with numbers. And we know that the enemy, he's not passive. He is a very aggressive being, and he seeks who he can go after and isolate. Notice, to destroy their lives. He wants to isolate you and get you alone. And notice, and when we say okay and let him do that, he's going to take advantage of us every time. When we get tempted and we get discouraged and we get depressed and we get suicidal and we get um, offended, we want to isolate ourselves and keep ourselves alone, but we don't need that. We need other people to give us a perspective to help us out because when we get like that, the enemy has us right where he wants us, alone, isolated, just like the animal kingdom. When he gets them by himself, then he can devour them. So there's safety in numbers. There's strength in numbers. We can do so much more together than we can do apart. We can accomplish so much more together than we can by ourselves. We see even in the uh, beginning in Genesis that the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel were godless people. But God said because these people are so in unity with each other and they're in a group and they have community, and they're united. There's nothing that they can't achieve. And they were a godless group of people in the Tower of Babel. But he said because their community was so tight, and they had realized that we're better together than we are by ourselves, and we can do more together than we can by ourselves. And he said there is nothing that they can't do. Because why? They were in community together. We are better together. We need each other. Now let's look over at Acts 2. You guys getting something today? Hopefully I'm not too strong for you today. I'm just excited. And now why does God say things like that in his word? It's because he wants to warn us for what could happen to us. And if I'm going to be a good pastor, I have to warn you about some things to avoid or I'm not a good pastor. Speaking the truth in love. So we see in Acts 2, we're going to start in verse 41. Now this is the first group of early believers, the first church, the first local church. In Acts 2 and 41, it says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So there was 3,000 people in the first church. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. In verse 43, And a deep sense of awe came upon everyone, for all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared their money with those in need, and they worshiped together at the temple each day, meeting in homes for the Lord's Supper and sharing meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship 
who were being saved. So this is the first church. We're talking 2,000 years ago, the first church. There was exactly 3,120 believers in the first church. Because we see the 120 believers got filled with the Holy Spirit. They went outside. They were praying in, in tongues. And all the different people heard what they heard the gospel in their own uh, language. And Peter got up and preached. And when he preached, 3,000 people got saved. So there's 3,120 people in the first church. That's a mega church. Especially in ancient times when the populations weren't as big as they are today. That was a humongous church. 3,120 believers in the first church. But it says in these first couple of verses of this church what they did as an early church. And we should take this as an example for us today. So some of the things they talked about, these are kind of pillars and foundations that every church should have. So the number one thing they said, they all came together and listened to the apostles' teaching. So that means they gathered together at least one time a week, and they listen to spiritual leaders preach to them the word of God. So that's a pillar in the church. Every church should have that. Another thing they said happened in the early church is they shared in fellowship. And it goes on, it says not only just they shared in fellowship, that could mean a lot of different things, but it said they ate together, they prayed together, they went from house to house for fellowship together, during the week, not at church times. And they lived life together. It goes on and it says that if anyone had need in their group, they all pitched in together and said, let's meet this need. Why? Because we're family. And family meets each other's needs. And that's why in community is so important. That's the way the church should be. If somebody has a need, the church should rally around and let's meet this need because it's family. So they were generous with each other. And it says they worship the Lord in the temple, which that would mean like the church. But they also met in their homes and they ate, notice they ate uh, just regular food, but they took the Lord's Supper together in their homes. And they shared meals with great joy and generosity. I love this in verse 47. And it says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So that means people outside of the church said, hey, those guys got something going on. They're awesome. I want to be a part of the church. Not like, I don't think I want to go there. They have so much favor on this early church. And it says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. That's a supernatural church. Can I get an amen? The first church, and we should take their advice as a blueprint for our church and every church. That the teaching needs to be important, which it is. Praise and worship needs to be important. The Lord's Supper. How many know we take the Lord's Supper? And Brother Les, come on, doesn't he do an amazing job every time he's anointed to do it? We take the Lord's Supper together. That's a part of this. We give. It says if anyone has need, we give together. But another vital part of this is it says they fellowshiped and they went from house to house. Fellowship and house to house. Now that's where life groups come in. Because the whole point of life groups is we want to do life together. We want to do life together because that's the way it should be. That's the way that God intended it for it to be. 
in the book of Acts is that his church did life together. Notice, not just on Sunday, but they did life together Monday through Saturday. That's God's plan, that we do life together. And that was something that's been on my heart for a while, and that's why we started life groups. We realized that a lot of us have been in this church quite a while, but a lot of us in here really didn't know each other. And that's a problem. And a lot of us weren't getting together during the week. We were just waiting for Sunday to see each other again. But we're missing it when we live like that. Because we need each other. And we need to do life with other like-minded people. We don't realize how much it helps us and changes us and encourages us and helps us grow. And I realize all of us in here can say we're busy. But what are you busy about? Are you busy about anything that's important? Are you just busy? you got a full schedule, but what are you doing that has eternal value? Nothing. What's going to matter in eternity? What's going to matter in the end? And that's not your soccer games. That's not your career. That's not your house getting better landscaping. That's not your new car. That's not you getting the gold watch when you retire. What is it about? It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the church of God. It's about seeing souls saved. It's about doing life with people. That's what life is about. Not just being busy. Because I'm trying to keep up with the rich people in our community. Because I want to be the, the uh, cute parent at all the games. That's not what it's about. It's about the church. It's about doing life with the right people. You hear me today. And this early church realized that. What's important here? The local church. Doing life with people. And I realized we can't get together every day. That's impossible. I'm not saying that. And you know when I make comments like that, that's not being legalistic because I know there's a balance here. But I'm saying a lot of people's priorities are messed up. A lot of people's calendar is not reflecting the heart of God. A lot of people's checkbook does not reflect the heart of God. And that's a problem. And we realize why our life doesn't change. And we realize why we're not going anywhere. And we realize why we, we are feeling distant from God and we're not really feeling like we're into church anymore. It's because we're neglecting the most important things. Come on, I'm trying to help you today. Once again, this is the truth, whether you like it or not. Speaking the truth in love, because we need to hear it. And this early church realized that, that they said, we're going to give ourselves. The first verse says, we devoted ourselves. We devoted ourselves. We chose to ourselves devote ourselves. Nobody forced us to be at church. Nobody forced us to be in a life group. Nobody forced us to give our money. Nobody forced us to worship or tell people about Jesus. Nobody made us do it, but we devoted ourselves because we love God and we love each other. And that's the way it should be. And that's why we we made life groups available because I realized there had been a problem because a lot of us in here have forgotten how to fellowship with each other. We've forgotten the importance of needing good, godly believers and fellowship in our lives. And it wasn't just happening on its own, so that's why we made something like this 
to facilitate that. So that means whether you've been here 30 years or three times, you can be involved in a life group and get to know people. Because we all need each other. And this is something that's in the early church. It said they met in the temple or at church, but they met from house to house during the week, doing life together. We can say modern day, they went to lunch together. They took each other to coffee crossing. They went to the gym together. They went for a walk together. They texted each other. They called each other. They FaceTimed each other. They shared meals as families and said, hey, why don't you bring your family over? Let's grill out tonight. Hey, let's go to your son's football game together tonight. Let's hang out together. They did life together. And that's the way it should be. And I believe with all my heart, that's a missing part in a lot of our lives. That's why life groups are so important. We need to live life, not just with people, the right people. That's where life groups come in. Because I know a lot of you say, well, I got plenty of people in my life. But who said they were the right people? Who said they were the right people? I got plenty of friends, plenty of family. But who said they were the right people? That's why we need to have environments like this that we know in life groups. That's going to be the right people. I know it 100%. They're going to be like-minded people, people that are believing and encouraging and praying for you, and you need to be around the right people. And don't think you're smart enough to know who the right people are in your life. You need the right people. And that's why we put these things in place, because sometimes we don't see things in our life that other people see. We can't always tell when we need to change something, but other people can, and they'll speak up. So we need the right people in our lives. And that's what life groups is all about. Not just having people, but the right people to fellowship with, to keep us strong. Because I don't know about you, but I know a lot of you, you know, you're in school, you're at work, and you're usually not in a very spiritual environment all the time. So that gets draining on you. And let's just say your spiritual tank gets pretty low. So that's why it's so much more important that you Put yourself in those environments to get around the right people because they refill your spiritual tank. They refill that faith, that hope, that peace, that joy. They, they help remind you of what's really important because you've been at work all week thinking about other things and they remind you, okay, no, this is what's really important and this is what I should be thinking about and let me have somebody to encourage and build me up in my faith. So life groups are important and we need people. So let's look over at Hebrews, and we're going to close here pretty soon in Hebrews 10. Hopefully you got something today. I told you I got fired up talking about the church, but it's so important, so necessary. It will change your life if you let it. The local church is so important in having the right people in your life. Hebrews 10, and we're going to read there in a second. So the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. It was meant to be lived in community with other people who love God, who believe like you. Now, when I say that, once again, I'm not saying that's the only people you hang out with. Okay, we're not a cult around here. 
When I say things like that, it's not like, okay, erase everybody else in your life other than your life group and don't talk to anybody. That's not what we're saying. But I am saying we need to reprioritize our life around the people that are going to actually encourage us and build us up and be good influences on our life. That's what I'm saying. Just to clarify, so nobody goes out of here and says, they told me to get rid of all my friends. No, that's not what I said. So we need community. We need the right people. So Hebrews 10 in verse 24. Hebrews 10 in verse 24, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And verse 25, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So notice it keeps saying in this passage here, let us, let us, let us. He's talking about a community here. Let us motivate one another. Let us pray for one another. Let us encourage one another. You realize in the New Testament, there is at least uh, over, or over 30 different commands that it gives us as believers that we can't do by ourselves. Over 30. Over 30 different things that God tells us to do that we can't do by ourselves. That's why we need community. Things like, let us do this. When you meet together, do this. Let us encourage one another. Let us pray for one another. Let us give to one another. Love one another. Give to one another. You can't do that by yourself, can you? So he reminds us all throughout the New Testament over 30 times of all these things that we can't do apart from a local church in a life group. But he goes on in verse 25 and says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is drawing near. Now that's another scripture that's been talked about in the church world for a long time. But the reality is, the statistics have shown that over the past 10 to 15 years, people that used to come to church every Sunday don't do that anymore. We're talking about faithful people. We're not talking perimeter people that barely come. We're talking about it's been shown over the past 10 to 15 years, majority of Christians in America do not come to church like the way they used to. And most churches are seeing that and feeling that. And we're talking about faithful, committed people that used to be here Four or five times a week. Not just in this church, but all over the world. So, I think the writer of Hebrews knew that, and that's why he put this in here. Because he was spiritually discerning to know enough that the closer we get to Jesus coming back, there's going to be more of a pull to keep you out of the community of God. There's going to be more of a pull away from the right things. There's going to be more of a pull to get you out of faith. There's going to be more of a pull to not keep you in spiritual environments because that's what you need in this dark world. And he knew that. That's why he warned us and said, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. And that's what I'm doing today. Hopefully you're hearing that as as encouragement today. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If it was close 2,000 years ago, I think it's kind of close by now. (laughs) 2,000 years ago, he said the day of the Lord's drawing near. 
We're 2017. How much more us? And we all know this in here. That there is a pull from the world to keep us out of the church. There's a pull of this world to keep us so distracted and so busy, we forget about what's important. There's a pull to keep us out of groups, to keep us out of church, to keep us out of our prayer closet, to keep us out of listening to praise and worship music, to keep us out of listening to podcasts. And it's the spirit of the world, and it says, God knew this would come at this time. And what was his answer? Don't neglect meeting together. Because he knew there's a lot of people that are going to start neglecting it. And they're going to say, I'm busy. Got a lot going on. Don't we all? I'm busy. Hopefully you're hearing the heart of this. I want to encourage you. I want to stir you up today. That was the heart of God, and that's why he had the writer of Hebrews pen this, because he knew it would happen. And it's shown it's starting to happen. Not just here, but everywhere. Because in the latter times, it's got to get darker. And the pool's got to get stronger. In Timothy, it says that some will depart from the faith because of that pool. Now, people that were committed and praying and in their Bibles will go from the faith. And I would say the number one reason that people do that is what they draw away from the community of God. They draw away from the local church. And notice what happens when you're alone and you isolate yourself, then the enemy has you. Come on, I know this is a sober word, but you need to hear what I'm saying today. And that's his plan. To isolate us, to keep us alone. But notice it says, do not neglect our meeting together. Now we read verses like this that there are options. <laughs> Don't we do that? We read Bible, our Bible sometimes and we read it like it's optional. Oh, that's a sweet verse. Somebody should do that, just not me. <laughs> no, like we believe that this Bible is the word of God. Yes, men wrote it down, but they were inspired on what to write by God. And so when we read this, we don't just read it like, oh, that's nice. No, these aren't options. When he says, don't neglect meeting together, that means don't neglect meeting together. When he says, encourage and pray for one another, that means encourage and pray for one another. When he says that you should meet from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship together, that's not optional. That's like, hey, I know what's better, better for you because I'm God. And I'm inspiring men to write this down so you do it because I know what's best for you. So let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. And notice, the, we should meet together more the closer it gets to Jesus coming back. And that's why we have life groups, because we realize we have Sunday morning service. We do have midweek uh, quarry service every Wednesday. But we need more times throughout the week to get together. And I encourage you, I give you full permission as the pastor, hang out with each other without somebody having to organize it. All of you. 
Go get coffee. You don't have to call the office to go get coffee with somebody. Unless you're trying to prophesy over them at the coffee shop. Then call the office. You don't have to, permit, you don't have, to have permission to go eat with somebody or go to the gym with somebody or go for a walk with somebody and hang out. Invite somebody over for a barbecue. You don't have to have permission. Go do that. Because that's what the Word of God says. We need to do that. So as we're closing, uh, I want to say a few more things about Life Group. So hopefully you heard my heart today. I know I said a lot today. I was kind of strong, stronger than normal. But this is important to me. And you guys are important to me. So that's why I have to tell you the truth in love at times. Even though it doesn't always feel good because we need to hear the truth because that's what's going to set us free. So before we uh, have a time to go back and talk about life groups and uh, sign up, uh, once again, we need community. We need each other. And this is just a real practical way that we can start this is that's why we put life groups in place. Because as you could see by what we talked about today, we need each other. We need people to do life with, and we can't do it by ourselves. So a couple things to think about before we go back and sign up for life groups and talk about this. So these are kind of some common questions that people will ask or things that get said. First of all, some people think, like, if you sign up for a life group, that means forever. That's not the case. We don't want to put that kind of pressure on you, uh, We do life groups in semesters, just so everybody knows. So that's like four months. So when you sign up for a life group, we're only talking about four months here. Uh, So you don't feel like you're you're stuck in this group forever if you want to change or maybe your schedule changes. So we do two different semesters. We do a fall one. We do a spring one. They're for four months. So that's what you're signing up for, just four months. Give it a chance. Uh, Another thing is we don't meet every week which is actually easy for you guys. It's only twice a month, most of these groups. So I think most of us in here can have four hours out of entire month to get together with the right people, maybe a little bit more than that. So we, meet, we try to meet at least twice a month. Um, also, you can see, uh, some of you got these papers, but you can see when you go back there. Uh, we have different times and dates. So there's men's groups, there's women's groups, and some are on Tuesdays, on Thursdays. Uh, there's several on Saturday, several on Sunday. So you got a good variety of options to get in the group you want to be in, um, whatever works better for your schedule. So uh, the Corey has groups, and we, we put the people in the Corey groups as we see fit uh, because we realize some people work better with other people. So we put uh, middle school boys, middle school girls, high school girls, high school boys, So you'll see that when you go back there, all of your students that are here at our church that are here on a regular basis at the quarry, we put them in a group. So they have a group they can go to, and they have leaders uh, that they can relate to. So you can see that when we go back there. Um, Also, uh, here's something that always gets back to me. And I think some people took what I said at one time and took it the wrong way. So let me clarify once again. So life groups is important and it's all about fellowship that's the main focus of life groups is we want to fellowship we want to build relationships with each other and do life together that's the number one priority for life groups but also we're going to take time in life groups every every time we meet to pray together 
And then we want to get into the Word of God and discuss what's being talked about. Discuss the messages, discuss uh, different topics that we're talking about, and get into that. So, here's something about life groups. People have taken what I've said and maybe twisted it, and they're fearful of life groups. (laughs) So, uh, I talked about opening up in life groups, which is true, you need to. But people have taken it as, I don't want to sign up in life groups because I don't want to share my deepest, darkest secrets every week at life group. That's not what I said, and that's not what I mean. I just want to clarify that for everybody in here. When I said I want you to be open and share things, that's not, okay, well, let me think of the most sinful thing I did this week. I want to share about that a little bit here. I just want to share my darkest secrets every week at life group. No, because it would get very morbid and depressing at life group real quickly. Um, But what I meant by that statement is this. I want all of us in here to get to the place in our lives where we can be open with other people in our church and share things that we really want to talk about. Now, that doesn't mean that every week you're going to do that. That doesn't mean you're going to do it with the whole group. But that means you need to get to a place where you're comfortable to be able to talk real talk, to say, hey, I'm depressed. Can I talk about this with somebody? That's what I'm talking about. To be able to say, hey, I'm having some issues here with my family. Can I talk about it with somebody? That's what I meant by being open and being able to talk. Because I think for so long in this church, we've all tried to act spiritual like we have no issues, and that's not true. And we need people to talk to. And we need people to do life with. So that's what I meant by that statement, not share your deepest, darkest secrets every week so we can post on Facebook. That's what... Some of you guys thought I meant, but that's not what I meant. Um, So we just want to have an environment that you can talk to people and open up and be real about what you're really going through. People aren't going to judge you. They're going to encourage you and pray for you, and um, it'll be a safe place. And even if you don't talk to a group, you can talk to a leader one-on-one if if you don't feel comfortable with everybody. So hopefully that brought brought some clarity to you guys today on um, life groups. So uh, let me dismiss, actually, the life group leaders for a moment, and we'll have a time of prayer, and then we will let you guys go back to the fellowship hall and to sign up for these. Now, once again, it's a clean slate, every life group, so if you're in a life group, you're not automatically in it again. you got to sign up for it, so it's very important.